0: Want to be a part of the conversation? Then let us know on the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's News Talk, TNT Radio. This is the Dean Mackin Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT.
1: And good day, everybody. I hope your uh, new year is uh, being very kind to you so far. Normally, it is at this point that I thank Chris Smith, but of course, he's still on holidays, but he will be back on Thursday. Here at TNT. So I know many of you are looking forward to the return of Chris Smith, myself and Gemma included. Um, lots going on today. I'm going to be talking to John Vedmore. Uh, he is an investigative journalist, also a musician and an activist. We're going to be talking to him about the latest Epstein revelations and aren't they? ever coming. I'm going to be talking a little bit later today about the breed of dog, the XL Bully Dog, and the ban that is happening on them in the UK. And with all the news stories that I've been covering this year, I kind of did see that as a possibility. Um, It'll be interesting to see if it does go ahead. I mean, imagine having a perfectly well-behaved, well-trained one of these dogs, and having somebody come up because you didn't get an exemption and saying, we're going to euthanize your dog. It would be like having a family member put down. But for those of uh, out there who have caused this, and many would argue it is the people uh, who train these dogs. You have bad owners will create bad dogs, just like bad parents will create bad children. And I would suggest there are probably some terrific XL bully dogs out there, some very well-behaved ones. But we'll be talking a little bit about that later to Ben Souter, he is the deputy chairman of uh, the uh, Dagenham and Raynham Conservative Association, which runs localised campaigns in two London boroughs and stands up for residents. Many residents wouldn't be too happy about that one. might imagine the other person I'll be talking to is Kevin Murray, who is the founder of United Press and a professional photographer. I've uh, read some articles he's done on Substack. One of them is called Portraits of the Resistance, and he did a terrific article on Katie Hopkins, an absolutely terrific article. I'll be talking about that and other articles that he's written uh, in the second half of this program. But um, I didn't even need to ask. I didn't even need to read about him to figure out he was a professional photographer and probably a professional author because a more well-written piece you will not find so descript and everything was just absolutely perfect. So I'm very much looking forward to uh, talking to Kerry a little bit later today and imminently I'll be talking to uh, Gemma Cooper but now property values in Australia, and I try not to think about this too much for the simple reason that I may have sold a couple a little bit prematurely. Now, I'm praying my wife isn't watching this program today because I will never admit that to her, but I mean, you buy a house for 149,000 in 1999, and I remember saying to myself, what a bloody ripoff. I can't believe I'm paying that much for a house. And that same house, only a few years later, uh, I don't know, 10 years later, it was probably worth 420000 And I'm thinking, well, this is getting ridiculous. The markets obviously topped out because house prices weren't going up. They were very diff- difficult to sell at the time. And to rent, that would have been about 2012, 2013, possibly, maybe even 14. I don't remember. I'd have to get the paper the paperwork out. But the simple uh, problem with that being that I just absolutely couldn't believe that now those houses, those same houses are going for about $1.1 to $1.2 million. Now, the new data shows that uh, dwelling values have rose nationally last year, with probably the exception of Tasmania, the only state where it went down just a wee bit. Sydney, of course, remaining the most expensive city to buy a property across the country. And apart from Melbourne and what Dan Andrews did to that, I can't imagine anywhere I would love to live less than Sydney. I lived there for 38 years And it's not quite the place it once was. And uh, the same reason the house prices are going up could be part of the reason I left. And the simple fact is it was getting overcrowded. Mass migration is at levels that we've never seen before. Half a million people in uh, recent times, as opposed to the regular 200,000, which I I think many of you would agree is still far too many. Uh, Our population, relatively small, coming up to 27 million. I'm going to keep updating that number. It was for a while, 26, but Fast approaching 27, house prices soaring, and again, it is a Ponzi scheme. Now, you could argue that uh, demand is what pushes prices up, but how do you push prices up above the level of affordability? That was the logic that I applied. Obviously, that logic has had a short-term fail, but I would imagine in the long term, it will be very, very evident that that is the case, especially with interest rates going from historic lows here in Australia to uh, currently most people paying between 55 to up to 8% on their mortgage. So again, an average house price, you know, a backyard you couldn't swing a cat in uh, in Sydney, 400 square metres, you're going to be paying for a three bedroom, about $1.1 million. Now, that is effectively making us slaves and because um, you'll be paying that debt forever, the old 25 to 30 year old mortgage, you know, one that runs over that period of time, I would imagine they will be stretching those to 50, you know, and good God forbid that you'll be 75 by the time you finish paying it. And uh, how are you going to get a 10, used to be 10, now it's a 20% deposit to get that. And with house prices continually rising, you'll forever be thinking you're going to miss the boat because they just keep going up. And uh, But it won't happen forever. It is a Ponzi scheme, it will fail, it will fail dramatically. But I'll uh, just quickly give you some numbers before I get to Gemma. Uh, these are the, the city capital city areas with the highest annual growth, and of course, the two houses we sold were in Blacktown, and of course, the highest area in Sydney that has risen is yes, Blacktown 15.8 percent. Yes, kicking myself, if I wouldn't have known, we basically threw about I don't know, $1.5 million down the drain. Should have waited. I know, I get that. Uh, Melbourne, $762,000, up 7.9%. uh, Brisbane, up 22%. Can you believe that? With your average uh, house price going up there, $1.1 million. I can't blame them. It's a lovely place to be. And uh, Perth here, according to this, is... uh, Earth, Armadale, 574,410, uh, a change of 25.2%. There's other ones there, some lackluster ones. Hobart, 1.9% 1. growth, uh, 713,000 for an average dwelling. in Darwin City, 481,000. And no, I wouldn't take a house there for free, so you can keep your $481,000 absolutely would not live there under any circumstance on the planet. Now, if you've missed your favourite TNT radio show or interview, simply listen back wherever you want from wherever you want. Uh, Just visit the episodes page at the TNT radio website. We are on all of the major podcast uh, platforms, including Apple, Google, Amazon, Spotify, Podbean, iHeart and TuneIn. There is no reason to miss out on anything happening here at TNT radio.
0: It's the stuff. It's that division people are talking about. And that cluelessness that they want to push. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT.
1: There's that time of day where I become incredibly happy because I get to talk to my colleague based over in the UK, the wonderful Gemma Cooper. Hey Gemma, how are you going?
2: Hi, Dean. Yeah, good. All good. Yeah. With well, 2024 has got off to a very rapid start, hasn't it? I mean, lots of stuff happening. I've got the earthquake in Japan. I mean, talk about getting it off to you know, a drama filled New Year um, and the death toll. Now we're looking at 30, aren't we, uh, uh, over the last 24 hours since that earthquake happened. So, yeah, our thoughts of pe- with people in Japan, although they are geared up for it in that country, aren't they? They are geared up yeah. for earthquakes and geological things being on the rim of fire and everything.
1: Yeah, I I stayed up for about an hour and a half watching some of those live videos, not the ones that the media put up there, but the ones that people were uploading privately with their cell phones and whatever. Uh, A very scary situation to be in, especially those in coastal regions. And I'm guessing, you know, with what happened with the uh, nuclear reactor at Fukushima, people would uh, be even more worried about, you know, some potential after effects and aftershocks possibly. But uh, the death toll, despite what I saw, uh, always horrific, even if it was just the 130, um, is what I would like to think is a Uh, A much nicer number than that could have been, but obviously the ideal number being zero, but a very horrific situation to be in, Gemma.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it broke yesterday while I was on air, just after I came off air with you. It was uh, later on when I was on with Open Line with Rick and Natalie and then Lock and Loaded. That's when it was really gathering a pace. And just like you, I was looking at social media because that's really where the first images yeah. of any news now seem to come out. Although you do have to be discerning because what I saw on <clears throat> Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it, is people were push- putting up images of the 2011 Tsunami in Japan, which was which was nine on the Richter scale, so it was worse. Um, and and claiming that it was, to, you know, on the day, and of course it wasn't. So you have got to be really careful when you come to discerning your facts on social media. You do need to be a little bit careful, I think.
1: Yeah, you certainly do. Uh, people will do anything just to get those hits, and especially those with the ad revenue associated with their accounts, they will uh, take that low blow every single time, but certainly not somewhere that you would want to be. Not a country that, despite the fact that there are lots of things I love about Japan and would love to live there, um, I I think their immigration policy is absolutely terrific. I think it is wonderful for their culture. It is a truly unique culture, one that I'd love to see preserved forever and all time. And it's a great place to to visit. I've had plenty of friends that have been there. Have you ever been there, Gemma? I intend to go one day. In fact, uh, my son is begging me to take him.
2: Uh, I'm like you. I've got a, a very good friend, actually, who's been there, I think, four or five times now. And he's planning to go again in uh, March this year for a, a whole month. Um, and he always comes back raving about the the virtues of the country. And it, it does look like a very attractive Proposition. There are elements of the country that aren't so great. I don't think it's great for women just yet. I think they're a little bit behind the beat when it comes to kind of equality. But that notwithstanding, um, it does look like an amazing country, amazing culture, amazing food. And like you say, they've managed to preserve a lot of their heritage going way, 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 way back. Yeah. And beautiful, beautiful country. However, that's not really why I've come on to talk about, you know, let's all go on holiday to Japan together this morning. Um, it's a story that um, I really was shocked to see these headlines. Headlines um, <clears throat> in some of the UK press today. And I've brought this to the table because I know, because we chatted about Christmas, I know that you bought your son one of these things. And this is a very, very, very shocking headline. And I will warn people in advance. But it's in the first case of its kind, police here in the UK have announced this morning that they are probing the rape of a child in. The metaverse in online and virtual reality. Um, it's believed to be the first case of its kind where officers are actually looking at you know can they bring criminal proceedings. The actual details of the case itself are being kept secret to protect uh, the identity of the of the child involved. But a girl under the age of sixteen uh, with with the same psychological uh, physio- psychological and emotional impacts of a rape as a physical one. Um, she was wearing a headset and was gang raped by a, a lot of virtual strangers in an online chat, well, meeting room, and I'm not diverse at all, um, but kids are. According to the NSPCC, which is a big national child protection charity here in the UK, 15% of children aged between five and 10 have used one of these devices already, and 6% of those use it every day. Uh, police officers are calling for legislation. Um, to tackle a wave of offending in the virtual sphere. Uh, And they say that officers must involve investigation tactics to stop people exploiting kids in the virtual universe. Um, Others are saying, well, hang on a minute. Is this a good use of police uh, time to be investigating crimes like this? Virtual rapes when there are real rapes and backlogs of rape cases, which are incredibly difficult to prove in a UK court of law. You know, the burden of proof is pretty much always on the victim. Um, And should even attacks in the virtual metaverse even be prosecuted? Should you take that all the way to a criminal prosecution? Uh, The National Police Council Child Protection Lead today in the UK is saying that metaverse is creating a gateway for predators to commit horrific crimes against children uh, and we must do something to change this. Uh, The number of sex attacks reported on something called Horizon Worlds, which is free online virtual reality room provided by metaverse, Are on the rise. I don't know if that's just with children or whether that's sex attacks generally across the board. You know, virtual men, virtual women. Um, But this is this is a headline that you think, well, this is the thing that people who are kind of generally in our sphere that are kind of switched on, um, definitely over the last few years, and can see the way the world is going. This transhuman agenda, this merging the human with the digital arena. Kids living in a virtual reality space. You know, digital fantasy world. Create your own reality. This is the dark side of it. But of course, you know, the question, do, it does beg a question. Is there a crime if it's a virtual arena? If there's no physical impact. If it's not, in, it, it has Has it happened if it's virtual? Uh, it, it, I'm just throwing it out for debate. It's one that I can't get my head around, but it's happened. The police, are in the first case of its kind, the police are being told we're going to have to investigate, we need new legislation, and should we be grinning criminal proceedings against something that's happened in a virtual headset
1: yeah it would be very interesting not that we would disclose them to know what the actual um what actually happened i mean i think the word rape um is use if you use the word rape in a virtual sense does that not take away from an actual physical rape? but anything that people may have exposed themselves to children or whatever is beyond horrific it should be dealt with as it would face to face if they had to look at it virtually i think if that happened on the street in front of you it should be dealt with like that i don't know if we can use terms i know the media is as far as uh where you would assume there is some sort of physical interaction but I would hope that charges are brought and that people are absolutely made an example of early, early in this, because uh, as we found here in Australia with uh, an actual gang rape um, a few decades ago, uh, there was a bunch of uh, Middle Eastern individuals in uh, Western Sydney who uh, gang raped a, a young girl and the judge gave them such harsh sentences that they were like multi-decade sentences. Some of them, I I think, might still be, or perhaps the last of them only just got out some 30 years later, and as a result, there were very few that um, happened again as a result of that. So I I would like to think that a precedent will be set and that these offenders will be taken care of appropriately and horrifically from their perspective um, so that this doesn't happen again. But, yeah, one thing, yeah, you're right, I did buy my son the MetaQuest... Three, uh, headset. He plays games. He only plays games with his friends. And absolutely, when I mentioned it to him, because I didn't like that, Zuckerberg probably got some money out of me for one of his gadgets. And uh, I had a bit of a chat with my son about the metaverse. And he laughed at me and said, Dad, why would the hell would I ever go on there? So um, yeah, but I mean, that's I hope he doesn't. I can't imagine that he would. But uh, I would suggest that parents should have a window Uh, where they can view exactly what their kids are viewing as a parental option and that's terrific. You could then bring that up on your phone, see exactly what they're seeing in real time and I think that would solve a lot of these problems.
2: Yeah, it's a really, really kind of complex kind of story because this victim was allegedly left with the same psychological and emotional impact of a rape. But then you think, well, if you have a headset on, you could take the headset off, but they, you know, if, if it was a young, you know, under 16, that could have been very young indeed. So you don't really know what's happening, but it's more the kind of merging of a what is the reality? What's reality then? If you're looking at dragging almost this digital arena into this 3D reality and putting people in a court for something that happened in a, almost another world, completely in another kind of realm of consciousness. It's, it's where we're going as, as a species, you know, with this merging of technology, but also interestingly, what the police are saying here and, and child protection agencies today, uh, this morning in the UK are saying about, it's you know, predators, they're very clever, aren't they? And they've obviously spotted a huge loophole in this metaverse. Um, where they can go in under the radar, you're completely disguised, aren't you? Everybody's got avatars and different re- different identities. So this could be this is looks like it's the new dark web in a way where predators are, are, have license to be whoever they want um and prey on whoever they want, but in yeah, a different j- in a different area in a different world.
1: yeah Jim, it's very like these <clears throat> much like these people that do designer drugs where they are, from a a chemistry point of view, they are still legal. And for that time, whilst they may be as dangerous as any other drug on the market, they get through that little loophole. And I think there might be a loophole uh, in this new metaverse and this whole new virtual uh, space that people find themselves in. So I guess we'll have some precedent set imminently and we'll have to sit back and see what happens. But certainly where kids are are at risk uh, and certainly where they are around people that you don't know and potentially can't trust, we need to be keeping an eye on them and uh, parents need to be aware. Gemma Cooper, I appreciate you very much. And of course, you'll be back here next hour at TNT Radio. Stick around and it's your chance, people, to get involved. We'd love you to be a part of it. 1-800-670-310 if you'd like to give us a call and have your say here at TNT Radio. We'll be back with that
0: after this. TNT Radio's Joe Hoff Just a terrible situation there And Biden was behind it pushing these arms Pushing billions of dollars over there We don't know where that money went, I'll bet you money I'll bet you a huge percent uh, Went, I bet you more than 50% Didn't go to the uh, to the people Or to the war, uh, it went to people's pockets Kind of like what we have in, in uh, Palestine, uh, with the U.S. Since, since well, under Biden, uh, Trump shut this down, thank God But under Biden, Obama, they started Sending billions over to Uh, that part of the world. These people have been after Israel forever and and, uh, supported by Iran and billions of dollars going their way and uh, to help them not, you know, basically uh, create chaos in the Middle East, terrorism. And and we saw what happened earlier this year, about a month ago, uh, the two-in-one attack in Israel and the death and destruction, rape and kidnapping, more than 240 people kidnapped. Joe Hoft on today's News Talk Radio, TNT.
3: JDRF's vision is to create a world without type 1 diabetes. The type 1 diabetes community is at the heart of everything JDRF does. We were founded by the type 1 diabetes community. In the main we are governed by the type 1 diabetes community, we're energised by the type 1 community and we're accountable to the type 1 diabetes community. It's on their behalf that we exist and it's on their behalf that we must succeed. JDRF exists to rid the world of type 1 diabetes. It's easy to say, but it's hard to do. So for us, that means rallying all the resources and all the people and all the organisations required to make that a reality as quickly as possible. The world's best researchers, exciting innovative companies and the passion of the type 1 diabetes community then delivered through the health system so lives get better every day, day after day, until the day we find a cure. To everybody in the type 1 diabetes community, no matter your age or stage with the disease, whether you were diagnosed recently or a long time ago, we need you to know that we are here working on your behalf to deliver a world without type 1 diabetes as quickly as we can. Thank you to everybody who supported JDRF in so many ways. You are making our vision of a world without type 1 diabetes possible. If you're still
0: wearing a cloth or surgical mask around in public, you're guilty of spreading COVID misinformation. It really is that simple. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT.
1: And welcome back to the program, Ask and They Shall Come. In fact, I've got two two callers and they're both two of the more popular, uh, well-known talkback callers in the whole of New South Wales, Australia. The first of which is Siv from Sydney. Hey, Siv.
4: Well, I don't know about that. I don't think people actually switch off when, when I'm here. I think no. <laughs> I. I, oh, <laughs> I, Rudford, I, I don't believe again. that
1: is the case.
4: Rudford, he's on again. Quick, switch it off. Just, you put the gardening on or something. No, it's, it's all good. It's all a bit of fun. Um, look, just on the subject of uh, immigration, and it was, I proposed something you said a bit earlier. I'm wondering if a major party—I don't think they dare do it—but if they were to say vote us in and we will actually put this to the people, (gasps) shock horror, actually ask the people, in a referendum or plebiscite shock horror. Uh, Do we want any more immigration, at least for the next period of time or should we have some sort of a cap just so we can catch up because if you're adding people into already crowded capital cities and you're you know, you haven't really figured out where you're going to put everybody and where the infrastructure is going to go and Add to all that, apparently, all those supply issues and all the rest of it that's going on at the moment. If you're owning people and you haven't got anywhere for them to to actually go and leave and all the rest of it, and you can't accommodate your own citizens, aren't you, uh, I don't know, aren't you sort of contributing to a lot of the monetary issues that are going on as well?
1: See, I I would agree, and those people who are voting... The duopoly, both of which, whether you're Liberal or Labor here in this country, mate, they're both on board with mass immigration. It is the biggest thing. And if we get it wrong, it will be irrevocable. And for our kids, for our grandkids, as a result, it is the one thing you would think would make everybody vote conservatively just so we could have a bit of a pause and have a bit of a think about it.
4: I, but I, I don't think neither I mean, that goes to a bit of where I was going. I don't think either side would be game enough to actually put that to a vote I mean we put that same-sex marriage thing to a vote we put that voice referendum thing but we we have that as a vote so why wouldn't a major party I mean that's pretty much a lot of what these politicians not all of them I can't say all of them—but a lot of them they're interested in getting in there well if you want to get in there you do the most obvious thing don't you I think anyway but then that's why I'm not in politics because I do the most obvious thing good to talk to you Dean Good
1: to talk to you, Siv. Yeah, and as I said to Siv, no, that's my whole point. The duopoly is one group and they're both on board with mass migration, hence you'd have to vote for a One Nation, a UAP, a family first. Uh, One of those groups, absolutely. I would even expect some from the left, but uh, the people who advocate most, for others to come into the country are those who tend to not live around those who are coming into the country and are unaffected. Well, that's for now. In due course, they too will be and uh, careful what you wish for would be the uh, the old saying that would be most applicable there. Uh, back to our lines. John, how are you going? Hello, Dean, how are you? Good mate, happy new year to you.
5: Same to you, mate. How's things? There's a lot of subjects I'd like to broach, but- I don't think we'd have the time.
1: You've got about four minutes, so do the best you can in about four minutes for me.
5: Right. Well, when Albanese won the election by stealth, he only got 37% of the primary vote, he said, I'm going to change, I'm going to change things, but I'm going to change Australia. He certainly has. He's put a racial divide in this country. I don't think he'll ever get repaired. We've got to get rid of him. He's got to go. Now we've got problems here with immigration. He let all the could have put a stop Let all those criminals out of jail. He backed the, the Palestinians. He refused to send the ship to the Middle East. Then he then he gets into bed with uh, wants to be friends with Americans. Then he goes and, and speaks about the the Lowry Institute and back back pedals on everything. Now we've got this naturalisation of people. Once it used to be done in the council in a private situation after a council meeting or a special council meeting, now they've got to doing it on Australia Day. Now there's a few... 80-odd councils are not going to abide by it. They're going to make their own arrangements. If we had a vote on it, I reckon that 60% of the intelligent people in said that refuse the F referendum, and that's what they can't accept. He got beat, It was just demoralised, destroyed, and they can't accept it. So they try every other communistic stealth movement by stealth to try and get it through. Now, we've got naturalised Muslims and we've got naturalised Jews in this country. And, they st- and he went to the mosque, and the bloke stands up in the mosque saying... We've got to kill a 1,000 people. we are got to kill people. we are got to kill the Jews, gas the Jews. So there's naturalised people who are supposed to have an allegiance to this country, and that means an allegiance to our constitution, and that in our constitution is treason. You can either be jailed or deported and have your citizenship revoked. We're going to kill the Jews? Now... Don't tell me he hasn't divided the country when you see that kind of thing going on. And he keeps saying we're going to look after the people and the cost of living. It's gone through the roof. And the Labor Party, the ones that caused it with all the United Nations agreements, and that's who's running the joint, the United Nations. He's just a puppet for him. He's a complete fool. Our, Whitlam signed the, the Lima Declaration. The United Agreement destroyed our, our farmers and our industry. Hawk and Keating sell the Commonwealth Bank off. There was our bank and our reserve bank that built the place what we've got today, destroyed our finances and everything else, and they and the people, it expects the people to cop it. Well, they won't well, John, cop it.
1: John, I think it comes back on the people because we've made a, uh, a long list of mistakes as far as who we have voted for. We, we believe that there are two opposing groups, uh, one group agrees with one half of us. The other group agrees with the others. But it seems when it comes to things that do us irrevocable harm, there is full bipartisan support. And again, if people haven't woken up to that by now, John, I wonder if they ever will. This whole Gaza-Israel thing, it's absolutely horrific, bringing out a bunch of hatred to the fore, stuff that we haven't heard for 50 or 60 years, and uh, a lot of it happening, and we're hearing about it here in Australia. John, it is horrific, mate. I thank you for calling in. But we do need to get to the news headlines on the other side. Out of that we're going to be talking to johnny vedmore here at tnt radio
0: tnt radio
3: news this is news here we go. matt boyland here with a look at your tnt headlines japan's been rocked by more than 150 earthquakes following new year's day's massive tremor which caused widespread damage and triggered tsunami warnings as far away as eastern russia it was a surprise start to the new year in denmark too with the country rocked by news of an historic royal abdication And the BRICS Group of Developing Nations kicked off 2024 with five new members, ushering in a new era of economic cooperation and influence.
0: Don't miss a thing. Be sure to download the TNT Radio app from either the Apple App Store or Google Play so you can easily listen live to us anywhere, anytime. Available right now to download. Keeping you up to speed on TNT Radio.
1: Uh, welcome back to the program. My next guest, Johnny Vedmore, is an investigative journalist, a musician and activist from Cardiff in Wales. He's the founder of Newspaste.com and has written a series of uh, uh, about inve- of investigative stuff yeah, about infamous figures such as Jeffrey Epstein, Klaus Schwab, two names that will make the hair on the back of your neck stand up. And we've got him on the program to chat about them, including the latest revelations about
6: Epstein himself. G'day, Johnny. How are you going? Oh, I'm doing well. Thank you for having me on, Dean. Nice hello from uh, old South Wales. Mate, it's quite,
1: it must be a great place to be. My dad's from Scotland. I keep saying I've got to get over to that part of the world and visit, you know, mm-hmm. connect with my roots, and I, I shall one day. In the meantime, I'll listen to a Tom Jones song at the end At the end of today just to round out and make it an all round nice day. Mate, I love your work. I love what you do, uh, keeping these people, you know, sort of uh, keeping us up to date on those around people such as Jeffrey Epstein. Mate, the latest revelations, mm-hmm. reveal them
6: for us. Well, it's hard to say what's going to be revealed because they're going to show us, what I think it's 117 names that are going to be redacted from the papers, uh, unredacted. Um, and, and most of them, by the sounds of it, what they're, they're pushing out at the moment, they the name they've put out is Bill Clinton. And everybody knows Bill Clinton was uh, a, a part of Epstein's clan. You know, he liked to hang around with them. Uh, he went to uh, a, a tour of Asia and Africa in uh, 2002 with Jeffrey Epstein now the other names uh all being suggested put out and everybody wants big new names but i don't think we're gonna get any of those i think we're gonna get people who have been um uh who were already on the flight manifest probably around the same time as well uh the the early 2000s um and b- between about 2000 and 2004 so we're likely to see people like casey vaserman who was on uh the african odyssey with clinton and Epstein were likely um, his fa- uh, gra- grandfather was Lou Wasserman who was a, a big shot in Hollywood back in the day um, and Ron Burkle's likely to be over there but these aren't names that people are going to know we might see uh, a couple of big names mentioned of course Donald Trump may be mentioned and uh, the internet is a buzz with talk of whether or not Trump is going to be the guy who's, who's uh, another one who's outed but he's already been outed and I think there's a chance we may see um, Rob Robert F. Kennedy Jr. be mentioned on there, who uh, took a couple of flights um, and was around his Palm Beach home quite a lot, uh, so the gardener said, um, once upon a time. But I think... As far as new names, we may see a couple. I mean, there's there's a right for some people to be uh, remain anonymous, apparently. They can apply to the judge, and the judge can decide whether or not they're going to be able to keep their anonymity. Um, there's only a couple of people who I can think who, who will be like that. There's, there's one who's um she's pretty litigious in five countries in the UK, uh, Nicole Youngerman, But she's on the flight manifest. Everybody knows her her name now you know she's been she's been outed um so so there's a lot of that we're all we're waiting for the same names to repeat and a lot of that 170 are going to be people we know they'll throw us a few bones they love to throw bones <laughs> this is what this is all about sensationalism isn't it
1: They certainly do. You know, we've all got that, you know, the infamous uh, interview with uh, Bill Gates. And uh, when they ask about his relationship and he you get that off the cuff, well, but he's dead now or something along those lines. It was almost a um, a middle digit, the bird. It was almost like flipping us off. Well, he's gone now, so there's not much that can be dug up. Um, This will be guilt by association for some. Of course, it would suit uh, a lot of the left to have names, as you suggested, such as Kennedy, such as, uh, of course, Donald Trump come out. That would be very mm-hmm. helpful to them at the moment, especially while they're on that witch hunt. But, uh, it would be very interesting if we could delve deeper, not that I ever think we'll get a great deal of truth out, other than by association and allow us to uh, let our, our imaginations run wild.
6: Yeah, yeah. And uh, you have to understand the left. uh, I think there will be a fair few lefties. Uh, Chuck Schumer's likely to be named. Um, uh, 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 Joe Liebman and Bill Richardson, of course, were very close. You have to understand that that, uh, Jeffrey Epstein, if he was doing anything, uh, for sure, it was infiltrating the Democrat Party. You know, that's where he was. That was was his main. He was always looking for the next president um, to to, uh, elect to be able to uh, sabotage. And I don't know if it was necessarily sabotage. For me, uh, personally, I started to believe that he was um, an interlocutor uh, for intelligence agencies overseas coming to work for the CIA and that he seems to have been recruited by the CIA, run by the CIA, ran operations with the CIA. And, and everybody says he's a Mossad, but I think it's not that simple anymore. All of these entities work for loads of people. So there's a lot of gossip there. There's a lot of intelligence links there it's likely the people we'll see are, are going to be deep state actors. They're going to be the people like Chuck Schumer, like Bill Clinton, who have got loads of different uh, fingers in loads of different political pies, really suspicious, dodgy ones, and a lot on the left. It's, I mean, that's where Jeffrey Epstein leaned. You've got, you've got to understand that he, he, even though, I mean, the reason why we maybe get uh, distracted by someone like Trump is that, uh, well, Trump, uh, he was back then really on the left he was really part of the democrats uh, sort of scene rather than he was republican and it was a big shock that he turned republican so i think you know people forget that and they forget that jeffrey epstein was yeah a left-wing boy for sure
1: It's interesting what you say. I mean, uh, those connections, you know, uh, potentially Mossad, you know, some people say, um, of course, there were you, and you brought the point up. You know, Trump typically was of left of centre. I heard an interview recently where people suggested that many people around uh, Trump were people that had close ties to Israel as well. And then, of course, we have to remember that Donald Trump was somebody that rolled out Operation Warp Speed, something that many Conservatives were very much against but whilst wow. they'll still hold a grudge against uh um, and you know people in the media and some po- some politicians who were behind that push Donald Trump seems to have escaped that when many would argue he was the guy with operation warp speed the one who spearheaded the whole thing and I'll say it out loud I was someone who back before he was ever elected said well whilst he's much better than Hillary Clinton, I will forever believe him to be a wolf in sheep's clothing. And I'd never second guess myself. I've, I've, ne- I've learned to never do that. I've done it twice and I've been wrong both times and should have stuck with it. So it'll be very interesting. But again, uh, these days you vote for the, uh, the, the best of the best of a bad bunch, the best you can get whilst he may have done things that are terrific for America, uh, as the years may show as we, go through decade after decade. And I still think we're going to see, uh, I know know it's a bit of a stretch, but I still think we're going to see the after effects of Operation Warp Speed and the vaccine rollout for many, many years to come. And uh, it may be the nail in the coffin. But uh, with what's happening with Donald Trump at the moment, I mean, wow, it's not like he needs any more problems, does he?
6: no and i have to say that you know it rings through my head i know this is a push again this election season there's a push to pick sides again but i hear it over and over again president my vax you know he he pushed <laughs> himself out there as being the guy who's behind this is my vaccine this is my vaccine uh the 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 I mean, it's you can't really uh, say he's the pinnacle of that decision making. That decision making was already already in motion. I don't think any politician could stop it. There was a big machine behind it. You know, um, people very unelected uh, people such as uh, Jeremy Farrar and others were put in charge of the main response to COVID, deciding everybody's uh, uh, what well, how everybody's going to live in the Western world, and the rest of the world would then copy that model um so well the majority of it um so so people uh, who were really unelected took over that time rather than the elected but the elected stood aside and i think that's what a lot of people had the problem with is that if you've got an emergency that's the point when a leader steps up and makes decisions decisions whether or not to protect his people from something that could be a potential danger um and that's the time when we need the biggest leaders with the biggest chest to puff up and say no um i want to uh, take a closer look at this
1: Absolutely. In fact, you uh, you you read my mind when you said that you were absolutely spot on. but uh, if you've got some more time, Johnny, we'd love to have a bit more of a chat after the uh, after this short break. Yeah?
6: No. Definitely.
1: All right, well, we'll be back with Johnny Vedmore at TNT Radio in just a few short moments.
3: JDRF's vision is to create a world without type 1 diabetes. The Type 1 diabetes community is at the heart of everything JDRF does. We were founded by the Type 1 diabetes community. In the main, we are governed by the Type 1 diabetes community, we're energised by the Type 1 community, and we're accountable to the Type 1 diabetes community. It's on their behalf that we exist, and it's on their behalf that we must succeed. JDRF exists to rid the world of type 1 diabetes. It's easy to say, but it's hard to do. So for us, that means rallying all the resources and all the people and all the organizations required to make that a reality as quickly as possible. The world's best researchers, exciting, innovative companies, and the passion of the type 1 diabetes community then delivered through the health system so lives get better every day, day after day, until the day we find a cure. To everybody in the type 1 diabetes community, No matter your age or stage with the disease, whether you were diagnosed recently or a long time ago, we need you to know that we are here working on your behalf to deliver a world without type 1 diabetes as quickly as we can. Thank you to everybody who supported JDRF in so many ways. You are making our vision of a world without type 1 diabetes possible.
0: West Coast. <laughs> here those pictures that you asked for for your school project. First day of school, cute as a button.
5: <laughs> so long ago.
0: Oh, here's Grandma Florence after that flood wiped out the whole neighborhood. Mm. Sometimes I just cannot believe all the storms we've gone through here. I can only hope that we'll be able to leave this house to you one day, baby. You're our legacy.
1: Planning for these disasters will make sure we're safe.
0: And is the best way to protect that legacy. <laughs> ah, those beans smell heavenly. Mm-hmm. Give mom a little credit. You know
3: what? We should make an emergency communication plan. That way we're ready this year. Oh, so, thank great you. Ideas. At my dorm, we have emergency kits for earthquakes and wildfires, but I'm sure there's something more local. I can send you a link. Okay, smart. I'm coming to share with you guys.
0: Protect your legacy. Plan for natural disasters today. Visit ready.gov forward slash plan. This is the Dean Mackin Show on today's News Talk Radio TNT. And welcome back to the
1: program. I am with Johnny Vedmore, an investigative journalist, a musician, an activist from Cardiff, very active on X.com. You can get him at at Johnny Vedmore. And not just that, he does documentaries as well. In fact, one called Searching for Stanley, which I'll get him to talk about a bit more as well. We're going to have a bit of a chat, Johnny, if you don't mind about Klaus Schwab, uh, a name that Mm -hmm. absolutely brings the hairs on the back of my neck standing up a lot of the things I don't like about today. He's uh, got his fingerprints on, that's for sure.
6: Yeah, I went deep on Klaus Schwab straight away when uh, in in December 2020, as I arrived in Chile, um, my former partner, she said to me, uh, you know, lockdown had started in Chile just literally four days after I arrived, and it was a strict one. You could only go out for two hours a week, and you had to have a special pass to get in supermarkets, or the wow. like. It was, yeah, really authoritarian lockdown in Chile. Um, and and so she said, you know, we got some time, spent six weeks finding out who Klaus Schwab is, because no one knows. No one knows who his father is, no one knows who his mother is, no one knows. That's different now. I spent six weeks going very deep. I found out his father was the head of a Nazi model company called Escher. Weiss uh, in Ravensburg, uh, a man called Eugen Schwab, who uh, re- directed his son after the war, uh, he was involved in the German atomic bomb program, um, and after the war he directed his, his uh, young son Klaus Schwab uh, to go to Harvard. In 1964, 19, he said, "There's no better place in the world you can go to Harvard than is to Harvard, where Henry Kissinger was, and Henry Kissinger was running Kissinger's International Seminar, which was the precursor to the World Economic Forum's Young Global Leader. It was about uh, basically finding the best leader, potential leaders from around the world, training them up, and then CIA would do a coup in the country, and they would put their leaders in charge that have already been trained up." by Henry Kissinger himself through Harvard. This started in 1950, 1951. Um, Henry Kissinger said it should be called Yandel Elliott's uh, International Seminar. And eventually, Klaus Schwab went there in 65, um, came out of there in 67. Pierre Trudeau, the father of Justin Trudeau also went through the program, along with other prime ministers. Um, and later on, uh, they, of course, got into power. Um, Klaus Schwab became close friends with Henry Kissinger, and eventually um, started setting up a version of international, the international seminar, uh, back when in, in after the fall of the the uh, Berlin Wall and the Soviets had a crumbled basically Um, and there was lots of potential with all of the countries breaking up in the Soviet Union to need young global leaders so they created this young global leaders course but it did become officially the young global leaders it was global leaders for tomorrow it was 2004 where an interesting moment in history where um, uh, Henry Kissinger again was part of the Dan uh, Dan David Foundation um, and they gave Schwab in 2004 a million dollar prize and Schwab said oh well I think I'll make the young global leaders and with Kissinger's money from his own mentor who put him through an exact replica course in Harvard he created the forum for young global leaders which then we saw uh, Pierre Trudeau's son Justin Trudeau go through and many others including you know the young global leaders including global leaders for tomorrow it's it's just insane in Britain it's it's almost Everybody who's been in power, um, Truss Sunak Cameron, all of them, Ed Miliband's Ed Balls on the other side, you know, Blair Cameron, uh, Brown all of them, young global leaders. So so it is a really important to understand who Klaus Schwab is. Uh, he's not a very nice man at all. And the World Economic Forum is made in the model of Kissinger's globalism, which really um, tilts towards some form of communitarianism. Uh, it's stakeholder capitalism. It's just a form of communism where you take the best bits of communism, the best bits of fascism, best worst bits of capitalism, and you shove them all together. And that's what Klaus Schwab offers people with the his World Economic Forum vision.
1: I, I can't help but wonder what's their ultimate goal. Obviously, they have an agenda. Um, you get people who I don't think organically would have risen to power, so they've obviously got mechanisms by which to work them up into the top of the woodwork, if you will, or the top of the pile. But, um, mate, what do you think their ultimate goal is, or is that still uh, yet to be found out?
6: oh no they decided it very early on uh, one of the m- people who um, was sent back with Schwab by Kissinger uh, in 1967 when he left into Kissinger's international seminar there was two people there was John Kenneth Galbraith one of the greatest statesmen in American history um, honestly one of the most I- interesting people you'll ever learn about one of the most boring people you'd ever listen to and Herman Kahn who was the real Dr. Strangelove um, he was the guy who wrote on thermonuclear war and basically Khan the same year that, that Schwab was going back um, to, uh, to, to help reform actually his father's company where he would illegally sell weapons to the apartheid South African regime um, uh, which is amazing following his father's footsteps exactly yeah. um, but he, he would go back and at the same year Herman Khan basically um, uh, he had written something called the year 2000 which looked forward to the future and predicted all of the technology that is in the future basically everything that we're going for now and what they're doing currently is going through a tick list of trying to get it as quickly as possible and it's a form of technological arms race as exponential growth in technology increases so really what they're doing is the opposite of what Herman Kahn Herman Kahn warned don't go too fast this is precarious humans make mistake we are makes mistakes we are fallible and instead um Schwab has kind of just gone on so they're really heading towards what we see as technocracy that ends in transhumanism um, and that agenda is rife with speculation about what it could end up looking like.
1: Would it be fair to say he would have uh, liked this to have be been a much more global model of what he's trying to roll out? I would suggest uh, presently it would seem by countries like China, Russia, uh, possibly India, have no part of it. And we see those countries getting together and forming these groups, like BRICS, for example. Um, is that obviously something that uh, he missed the ball there?
6: Maybe that's what I'm going for. Does that see, Would that be an accurate assessment? I, I don't think I don't think it is completely because uh, all of those countries are just being allowed to do that in a sense um if it wasn't part of the plan they wouldn't be doing it but they're the opposing force now with any um antithesis you need you you know you need a base yeah. and yes. basically their base of globalism they're putting out well if you look at for instance russia russia is putting out nearly exactly the same world economic forum vision of globalism Spurbank itself were part of cyber polygon in and uh, in just during covid and just at the beginning of covid with russia and that was headed by Spurbank bank Michel, michelle michelle mishustin um uh, Mikhail mishustin the the prime minister was heading it up the whole thing was about uh implementing exactly the same technology that they want to implement in a globalist structure in the West too so there's just no difference, they're just two different like shades from two different countries, at the end of the day this is about breaking up nation states and turning moving people into the big cities, into megacities and then megacities will take the place of nation states and mayors will be king that's what the future is and the, account, the, the globalist order on top of it, well they won't be held to account because we will all be looking at the mayors and the mayors are just in their cities. And then you will see wars between megacities rather than nations.
1: And there will be people asking, in fact, I think one may have asked, um, is is depopulation part of their agenda? Do they think there are too many people as part of their global plan?
6: That's why Herman Kahn himself actually turned against the project soon after, because in 1971 he was one of the first people to open up the World Economic Forum. By 1973 Schwab had brought the Club of Roman to talk, to make the famous speech about Malfusian, uh, Malfusianism um, and saying basically, uh, just after the writing of Limits to Growth, and saying the enemy of humans are humans itself, which made Herman Kahn say, no, we have got all of the potential. We could leave this planet go to a meteor get all of our minerals we don't have to worry about that we don't have to worry but that's not what klaus schwab's brand of globalism is it's not a hopeful uh caring type of globalism it's one where we're all eating each other alive at the end of it
1: Yeah, I had to ask because, you know, intuition, I think, is everything. And whenever you hear that man speak, you just sense, uh, some people would say, pure evil. Maybe I go too far, but certainly um, some would argue evil is a matter of perspective. And uh, But certainly he's out to uh, look after his group and uh, possibly not anyone else. Mate, I love that you've done other things as well. Tell me about this documentary that you've done, Searching for Stanley
6: well i went on a long journey it's actually part of the epstein case um i i went back one of the lead lawyers for um the epstein victims stanley pottinger it i turned out uh, he's not who he says he is and i went back in history and discovered he was part of nearly every big event in history he was the man who signed off the water uh, watergate who signed off the martin luther king assassination signed off the investigation into kent state signed off who was involved in wounded knee ran guns with Jeffrey Epstein through Iran Contra um, and and other things it's an amazing story so I've made a documentary where I basically I split up each one of those subjects and I give people context um, so the first six episodes are out now searching for Stanley you'll find them on YouTube they're free to watch they're on uh, rockfin and rumble um, each one is lively I'm a musician so there's lots of music in it It's all original all done by me i can promise you it's indistinguishable from something you'd see on netflix mostly (laughs) apart from my voice and uh and um you'll enjoy it it's um it's a ride you you it'll be good for people who are conspiratorial minded and people who aren't conspiratorial minded people will both find some uh, you know both people will find something to take from it
1: it, it's amazing, that whenever you know. Whenever even hear a phrase like that, um, uh, and the word conspiracy in in any way, shape, or form, uh, people it's it's been spun with that negative connotation um, all the time. You know that we're looking for for uh, connections that don't exist, but almost every time, for all the people that I know, and most of them are intuitive and switched on. Those uh, those conspiracies are very, very real. As you tie all those stories together, as you tie all of those people together, you see just how. Practical and how possible it is for them to take over the world on such a, a scale, and I'd I'd love to think it wasn't the case, but the more I listen to you, the more I'm starting to think that I was right about them the whole time.
6: Yeah, well, what can you do? Bad humans do bad things, and they keep doing them over and over again. We just got to keep fighting against it and hope we get some sort of like give eventually, you know. Well, I mean, at the end of
1: the day, let's face it, we we have the numbers. Uh, how do you see it working out? or humanity and i guess the flip side of that question is what do we do to combat everything that they're trying to do to us
6: well we got to stop watching things as they unfold we got to stop just just saying oh in four years time they're going to introduce this and then in four years time they've introduced that we need to find other ways to do things and we need to believe in them we need to get a a, a strength um, we need to find a way to 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 open people's eyes to how pr psychology works um so they can stop being tricked because that's part of the, the the big big part of it you know there's a lot of tricks going in there's a lot of nudging psychological nudge units and stuff being put into governments to make you choose a certain way we've got to get people out of that frame of mind we've you know we've got to get people saying i can create a future that's much more positive by doing this and then whatever they think going and doing it and not just saying it you know there's a possibility that we can change it all but that takes us doing something and stop being aghast you know standing there in shock as they they destroy our societies destroy our cultures destroy the people who we love you know this is something that they're doing right now at some point it will stop when we say stop but we just gotta say stop
1: True. And everything you said, this rings entirely true, but I couldn't help but think back to, and whilst I am Catholic, I'm certainly not religious. I I barely go to church unless there's a wedding on or a baptism or something like that. But um, I can see why there's such a strong push against Christianity. For example because it was all about us having a large group coming together and exchanging ideas agreeing on a on a context or a perspective and and possibly even a solution and moving forward so again it makes perfect sense that religion was one of those things that they came down on the hardest because it was one way to stop us from exchanging ideas and they can ban social media they can go and bring misinformation and disinformation rules, but they certainly couldn't stop us from having a chat face-to-face on a Sunday or a Saturday afternoon, and it, it all starts to make sense the more and more that I talk to you, Johnny Vedmore. Mate, I appreciate you coming on the program more than you might imagine. I'd love for you to do it again. Uh, I've learned personally a hell of a lot from you this afternoon. In fact, I'm going to play back this interview just so I can take a bunch more of it in and mm-hmm. commit it to memory. I think you're terrific, and I would employ everybody get on x.com, search him out, Johnny Vedmore, and of course, you can get onto the website, News, N-E-W us paste p-a-s-t-e Newspaste.com, and you'll find him on there as well johnny vedmore i thank you for your time here at tnt today
6: thank you dean thank you
1: Thank you and thank you to our producers who get us absolutely top-notch guests such as Johnny himself. we got more coming up after the break and all you have to do is stick around and if you're not yet watching TNT and are only listening I implore you to get on the website you can get onto our TNT radio live stream on YouTube, uh, YouTube and on Twitter and Rumble and other places and I would implore you to do that. It's pretty darned easy, make it a habit and of course uh, the news headlines coming up now back after this.